Spanish or not. I just like the song. And so we want to right now just do something that we started a couple years ago. And uh, I want to invite any of, anyone who wants to participate. I'm going to slide this thing back. And anybody under the age of 12, not in the youth group, children's ministry, you can come up right here and just gather around the front because I'm going to read you a Christmas story. You can sit down if you'd like, and then I'm going to preach a little bit of a message. And Brother Kevin said it's going to be a shortened message, so I'm stressed because I need to do a good job. When I start preaching, you might say, preach the word, take, take, all, take your time. I don't hear that much. I used to hear that a lot growing up. People would be like, take your time. Now nobody does that no more. They're just like, it's a given. We all want you to get done. Let's get rolling. But yeah, I know, I know. I'm getting them all in set. So thanks, buddy. Um, any youth group, you guys can sit on the outskirts and help me out just in case anybody gets crazy up here. But I don't think anybody will because they're all super well behaved. But any youth group wants to come and sit up here with me? Wow, that many of you, huh? All right, come on now. Yeah. Come sit up here. Man, where, where are the male role models in the youth group for these younger men? Come on. Let's go. Let's go. There we go. Yeah, there we go, all right, and now any adults, that, no, I'm just kidding, okay, we did this last year, but one thing that's different than last year is I didn't need glasses to read this book last year, and so life changes, it comes at you fast, just remember that, enjoy your family, enjoy your eyesight, it says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt bring forth a son and shall call his name he shall be great and shall be called son of the highest, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Kind of like we did, our soul magnified the Lord and rejoiced in God today. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be taxed, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused. By the way, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I've been to Bethlehem. I just, I, I just wanted you to know that. Pastor Chad has too, if you want to ask him about it. But to be taxed with his Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said, Fear not, for I behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying that was told to them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. How many wise men were there? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Uh, All we know is they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so we assume three, but we're not totally sure, but three's a good guess. And so, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Anybody come today to worship Jesus? Right. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said, Bethlehem in Judea. For thus it was written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not thou least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search diligently for the child. And when you've found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him also. Do you think King Herod was wanting to worship him? Wanted to kill Jesus. Yep. See, you know. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Some of you are going to get some gifts today and rejoice with exceeding great joy, huh? Yeah. If you get any cash and you don't like it, you can give it to me. I'll, I'll rejoice with exceeding great joy, okay? No? No, you're going to keep it? Okay, that's fine. Starbucks? You, you're, you're young for Starbucks. All right. Well done. Okay. What do, you, what do you get from Starbucks? Do you get a caramel macchiato with extra shot of espresso? You should get, you should get an espresso one for your parents. That would be wonderful. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the, ch- the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
be warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child and try to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel said in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother. Go into the land of Israel, for they are dead that sought the child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came again to the land of Israel. You know what? Not one of you are sleeping. I preach sometimes to the adults and they sleep. I, I think I'm going to go sign up to do children's ministry. And that is not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story of how salvation manifests himself for us here today. And so the beginning of the Bible, yep. Well, the Lord had a plan. Adam and Eve is the beginning of the Bible. You're very, very smart. I'm glad we got you in quizzing because you're a smart kid. There's, it's in a couple of different places, but yeah, the big one's in Luke. So you guys are just brilliant up here. So I have here, I have a gift for all of you guys, just like Jesus Christ, right? He was the greatest gift. But I have a smaller, much smaller gift. But the, here's the thing with this gift. If you yank on the top, M&Ms are going to go all over the whole sanctuary. So why don't we just take this home and give it something to look forward to rather than eating it while I'm speaking my next message to the adults, okay? So we have a gift for each of you. You can go and get one from Sister Jackie. Oh, we could do that, huh? I have a request to read the book of Ezra today. We're going to start with the youth who came up, and we'll see if we got any left over, but the youth who came up, And now you can give them to whoever you feel. You're a woman of grace, so just be careful. They're going to bust open. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. My heads up. Somebody's going to get a plastic. Ay, ay, ay. All right, well, with that, you saw the holiday service schedule, just to know that there's exciting things going on, and you never know what you're going to miss if you miss service, because you can miss throwing candy canes in 
Sunday service. Um, we had a couple baptisms last week. Kat and Kim were baptized. I don't think, oh, I do see Kat back. All right. Woo. Yes. <laughs> baptized last week. I didn't see Kim yet today. But then Brittany received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not sure why people sometimes are traveling, not here on able to make it to Christmas. But um, we honor them for what a great, great opportunity decision that they had. And then I told you that whoever gave the most to Christmas for Christ was going to get these amazing socks. And the people who gave the most aren't here today. And so rather than holding it, I'm going to give it to the, to the next most because I want to give these away today. They've been sitting on my... I actually have worn them a few times, but they still smell good. Um, Just kidding. Tags on them. Tags on them. So the name as it is given on Planning Center is, we just want to honor you, Sister Rachel Schiltz. Come up and get some socks. Come on. Yes. Yes. Do you want to come all the way up? No? Okay. No, just right there. Hey, I told Jackie, I didn't know if you were going to come, so I honor you for coming. That's wonderful. That right there has made my Christmas. All right. If you don't know, that's my mother-in-law, and so I was happy to give her those socks. So, well, praise God. I want to I wanna, I wanna talk to you for a little bit here before we head out to our individual plans for the day. And uh, I want us to imagine for a moment how hard it would be to be the earthly brother of Jesus Christ. Imagine that. They were born later. The Bible doesn't say much about them. Jesus is the firstborn, right? And imagine what memories they would have had when they celebrated individual birthdays. Jesus, I still remember when you were born. Your parents ever do this to you? Like, I remember when you were just little, you know, like, nobody, nobody's parents still do this to them? Okay. I was starting to think maybe my mom was weird. I don't know, but. An angel showed up and prepared us for this eternity-altering day. They didn't just show up to us. They showed up to an entire group of shepherds. They led wise men to us from the, from the east by a star. You were born in a manger. The whole world changed that day, Jesus. Herod even started killing male babies. That part was bad, but that's how special you were, Jesus. It was so incredible. James, Joseph, Simon, Judas. You know, you guys are special too. We love you. And to your sisters who aren't even named anywhere in Scripture, we just want you to know mommy and daddy love you too. That'd be a little bit challenging, would it not? His siblings are spoken about in a handful of places in Scripture. Matthew 12, 46, it says, Jesus was speaking to the crowd. His mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mom and brothers are here. They want to speak to you. He says, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? He pointed at his disciples and said, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. Man, imagine how hard it was to be the earthly sibling of Jesus. Jesus was making a point here about being part of the family of God and not just the earthly family, but it might not 
have been the, the easiest message to listen to. And so today, for just a little bit, I want to I speak on this topic, whether they believe or not, whether they believe or not. God, thank you for everything that we've experienced here today. Thank you for everything we celebrate at Christmas time, God. And before we leave, we just want to hear from your word. Change us, challenge us, encourage us, speak to us, Lord, I pray. Let our hearts and minds be open on this beautiful day. In your name we pray, amen. You know, some people try to argue that Jesus had no earthly brothers or sisters. They say, yeah, his disciples were his brothers, but his sisters and brothers are mentioned in the gospel, okay? John even differentiates between the two when he says in John 2, 12, after the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. That kind of differentiates between the two. And the apostle Paul also clarifies James specifically as a family member. He says the one of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. And so of the brothers, there seems to be have, have been four who are named, and that's who I just referenced, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and not that Judas, just to clarify in case you're wondering. But Matthew and Mark mentioned the sisters, but neither the number nor the names are given for the sisters, so we're not really certain. From the language of the Nazarenes in Matthew 13, 56, it says, his sisters, are they not all with us? So my guess is, just based on plural, there's at least two, because he said the sisters are not with us. But we are not here, are we, to celebrate the birth of brothers and sisters of Jesus, right? Even though they're probably cool people. They didn't, they didn't change eternity. We are here to celebrate Jesus. We're here to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Yet, when we stop and look at the family, we can find both challenge and encouragement. Do you, like me, have family members who do not love or serve Jesus Christ? Anyone here able to raise their hands or comment online and say, hey, there's someone related to me who does not faithfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Well... If so, we're in good company because Jesus also dealt with this. And I think it, that might be meant to give us hope. According to the Apostle John, John 7, verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish, Jewish festivals of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. I don't necessarily think they were cheering him on. Can you pick up the little bit of the uh, sarcasm and that kind of say, hey, you can't become famous staying around here. If anything, they might have wanted him to get out of the house because, again, it probably was hard to be the earthly brother or sister of Jesus. If you can do such wonderful things, then go show yourself to the world. In verse 5, just in case you're not picking up on the sarcasm, 5 just spells it out and says, for even his brothers did not believe in him. It's incredible. People who had lived with Jesus for 30 years did not know him. And get this, not one of Jesus' brothers is mentioned as a disciple during his pre-crucifixion ministry. 
But after the resurrection and ascension, they're in the upper room. And they are being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We read about it in Acts 1, 12 to 15. Well, and really in verse 14, it says, They were in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. New Living Translation says, with the brothers of Jesus. In Acts 2, you start to read about the day of Pentecost. It says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So even Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary and Jesus' brothers were all in that upper room speaking in tongues, receiving his spirit after the resurrection. Why didn't they initially believe? What made them change? The Bible doesn't really answer those questions clearly, but I'll bet at times it was difficult to be the earthly brother or sister of Jesus. First, imagine trying to beat Jesus at Bible quizzing. According to Psalm, interruption, I know what you're going to say and I know the verse. How ast- I mean, the guy was astounding the temple rabbis at the age of 12. A sinful, fallen, gifted sibling can be, a, a, a sinless gifted sibling can be a hard act to follow. All right? Second, Jesus' consistent and extraordinary moral character must have made him a little bit odd or unnerving to be around. I mean, the guy's always perfect. I mean, my, my sister probably can relate a little bit to this, but, you know, just kidding. I'm not like Jesus in that way. I'm just kidding. But no, imagine being, uh, being a little odd, a little unnerving. You know, his, his siblings would have grown increasingly self-conscious around him, aware of their own sinful, self-obsessed motives and behavior, while noting that Jesus never seemed to really exhibit himself in any way Less than perfect. For sinners, that could be hard to live with. Third, Jesus was deeply and uniquely loved by Mary and Joseph. How could they not treat him different? They knew he was the Lord. Imagine their extraordinary trust as Jesus grew older. They're like, guys, eat your green beans. You, I, I'm watching you. You better eat your green beans, Jesus. We're entrusting our souls to you. It's kind of a different shift there. No doubt siblings would have perceived a dimension to the relationship between the oldest child and their parents was somewhat different than what they had experienced. But this story of Jesus' brothers can actually, can actually give us hope for loved ones. At the time his brothers claimed Jesus was out of his mind, Mark 3, He's out of his mind. It must have appeared very unlikely that his brothers would have ever become disciples of Jesus. Not a lot of hope. They're like making fun of him. You better go. You're out of your mind. How is the world going to find out about you here? They didn't even believe in him. Not exactly. They didn't, nobody looked at him and be like, oh, you want to you choose someone who's probably going to be a great disciple? It's going to be his brothers. Not a chance. Not a chance. But you know what? Eventually, they did. And they didn't just become disciples. They became key leaders of the New Testament church. Even penning part of Scripture. That, that, 
to me that. They moved into something powerful, extraordinary. They finally saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, their brother. So take heart, because one part, there's two parts to this message, and that first part is this. Don't give up praying for unbelieving family members in this season you might be spending with, you might be exchanging gifts, going out to eat, flying to visit, them coming to see you, and there might be a lot of discouragement where you're going, oh, if anybody, I don't see him, I don't see her, they seem so far away, there's no belief in Jesus, all they're doing is just being cynical every time anything gets brought up, and so our human mind and eyes can go, there's just not a lot of hope here. And Christmas is a season of hope. And when I read about this story, I go, they didn't just end up believing. They became leaders of the New Testament church. You look at your family. You tell them you love them. And you pray and you keep praying and going, God, don't forget my mom. Don't forget my dad. Don't forget my brother. Don't forget my sister. Don't forget my child. Don't forget my grandchild. Don't forget my spouse. Whatever it is that you have in your life, Keep trusting that God's big enough. Keep praying. Keep believing. But I don't only want to leave you with that hope. But I also want to leave you with hope that even when those unbelieving loved ones don't believe in you, you can still be great for God. Think for a few minutes on this. We're talking about how hard it would be for the earthly brothers and sisters to be a sibling to Jesus. But now think for a moment and go, how difficult would it be to have been Jesus looking at your siblings, making fun, being sarcastic, and you loving them and willing to give yourself for their, for their sins and they not believing in you? The Bible says Jesus couldn't do anything in his hometown of Nazareth because they wouldn't believe. Mark 6 verse 1 says Jesus left that part of the country, and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom, the power to perform such miracles? And they, they scoffed, they kind of made fun, and said, he's just. When someone says, you're just this, it's not a compliment. You're just a factory worker. You're just a preacher. You're just a server. You're just someone who works in the medical field. That, no, that's, not, that's not meant to be, hey, you know what? I think the world of you, you're just this. It's meant to be a dig, a very derogatory, like, yeah, th this guy's doing all this stuff and he's just a carpenter. The son of Mary and the brother James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. His sisters live right here among us. There's another one. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And Jesus looks, and here's what he responds with. He says, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. 
Imagine this. God takes on flesh to save people, to deliver people, to heal people, to break us free from sin. And the very people he came to save, in some cases, wanted nothing to do with him. And he goes to his hometown. I just imagine again, he's, I'm not Jesus. He's so far. His thoughts aren't my thoughts. His ways aren't our ways. He makes that clear in scripture. But all I can try to do is just imagine as a human in my finite mind of what God, who loves us so much, took on flesh. He's not limited to humanity, but he embraced that humanity. And him going and saying, my ministry's launched. It's public. I'm out. I'm performing miracles. I'm healing the blind eyes, raising the sick, delivering people, setting people free, taking leprosy away. I'm going back to my hometown. I wonder if there's any excitement. Of course, yeah, he knows what's going to happen. But in that walking in this flesh going, I'm going to bring a message of hope. And walks in and his friends and his family members, people he grew up with are there. And they just start scoffing and mocking and going, this guy, who, who does this guy think he is? He's just a carpenter's son. I mean, we, we know the girls. We know his brothers. Jesus, you ain't welcome to do anything here because we view you just kind of like one of us. And I wonder what kind of Pain was in his voice. When we read just scripture, we don't get the context necessarily of, of the voice inflections and was there tears involved. But when he looks out at the people that he loves, and of course he loved the entire world, scripture tells us. But was there more, just a little bit more love for the, the friends and the family and the neighbors and the people that he grew up with? And he looks at them and he goes, man, a, a prophet gets honor Everywhere he goes, except for the place where he grew up and where he lives, he seems to get honor from everybody except his own family and friends. I just wonder if tears were welling up in his eyes, maybe one streamed down his cheek as he looked and thought, what could I do for my family and my friends right now if they would just believe in me? And scripture says he was amazed at their lack of faith. Here's another thing to think about in another place. Scripture tells us he was amazed at the faith of a Roman centurion. And he says, your daughter's healed. Jesus is going to be amazed at your faith one way or another. You're either going to move him with the faith that you're willing to place in him, or he's going to be amazed that you don't trust him. One way or another, your faith is going to amaze Jesus. I want mine to go, oh, you can do anything. You can heal anybody. You can deliver anybody. You can put your spirit in anyone. You can wash away any sin. I can teach a Bible study and believe him for anybody. But notice something in spite of the hurt that caused the lack of belief or hunger from his hometown and family did not mean that he was now limited in his power. You might take that when you first read through this passage. But they tried to limit him by putting him in a box because he was just this. 
They did not define him, though. Certainly, it could cause pain, disappointment in their choice, but it would not change or limit his calling. It just limited the miracles that they were able to experience. Because Scripture says he just went to the next village. And during this holiday season, as you get together with extended family, maybe some of you, you go back to your old stomping grounds where, where they, they knew you in maybe a previous life and your, maybe your childhood home. And for them, you're just a drug addict. You're just an alcoholic. You're just a high school dropout. You're just a hothead with a bad temper. You're just a deadbeat dad. Maybe they don't believe in you. They still aren't buying the fact that you're a changed person. Can anything good come out of Can anything good come out of independence? Can anything good come out of Excelsior Springs? Can anything good come out of Gladstone? Can anything good come out of downtown Kansas City? Can anything good come out of Sugar Creek? Can anything good come out of Kearney? Can anything good come out of your street where you were raised, where you worked, who raised you? Because automatically they associated him with his siblings, with his parents. And maybe you're not necessarily proud of your siblings and your parents. And maybe they, they didn't do things the way that people would be impressed with. And so you've carried that aura of, oh, you're just a kid of that person. And it's kind of been a cloud that's hung over your head. What I'm saying today is that does not have to define who you will be in Jesus Christ. Yeah, they might not believe in your calling. They might not see anything special in you. And sometimes it hurts because the people closest to you are the ones that you really are hoping to impress. That you'll come back home and say, I made something of myself. And certainly Jesus, that was not his goal. But sometimes in our flesh, we're like, hey, I want to I mean something to the people closest to me. And when the people closest to you, the family members, the friends, they don't see anything special. And you might even be saying, well, if the people closest to me don't even see anything special in me, then maybe it's not there. I'm thankful that we serve a God who took on flesh. He knew who he was called to be. And even if some of those closest to him refused to acknowledge him or validate him, he said, I will accomplish that which I am called to accomplish. And today, I come to you with a twofold message, and I'm just about done. Number one, don't stop believing God for your unsaved family. You have family members that are currently making choices, that are, are living lives, that you're going... And for some of you, you're not just carrying the burden of them not serving God, but you're fighting the guilt of feeling like you're part of the reason that they're doing it. God is speaking to you right now and saying, hope is not lost. Hope is not lost. 
Right now, before we even open this altar, raise your hands and begin to call on Jesus. Begin to say the names of people in your life right now who are making choices that you don't support, that you don't know. You're trying to love them, and you're trying to somehow figure out how to love them and embrace them and not be judgmental and rude and unkind, but yet you don't want to support the decisions they're making, and you're, you're walking this way, and it's a burden to you because you're like, I love my family. I, I love the, per, per, the person or the people who are doing this, but I want their soul saved. I want their life changed. Jesus, hear the prayers of your people right now. God, we're, we're talking to a, a God who walked this road exactly. Your own siblings did not believe in you. And, and they came around and became leaders in the church. Jesus, that's what we're praying for right now. God, for that you would see, Lord, the children, the spouse, the aunts, the uncles, the grandparents, the children, the, the, the parents, God, who aren't currently making decisions, Lord, that are, are reflecting your values and biblical principles. God, but you know, Lord, we pray right now, there's hope at this time of year and there's hope anytime that you're involved in something. And so, God, I pray that you'd fill the hearts and minds of those here today watching online, God, that there would be hope for lost family members. And the second part of this message is as you continue to believe God for your unsaved loved ones, make sure you also continue to believe that you can be mightily used of God even when those closest to you don't believe in you. Some of you are blessed and you got parents or teachers or people in your life that have always said you're special, you're called, you're going to do great things for God. Not everybody has that. There are people who have never been told you're special, you're powerful. God sees something in you. God's going to use you. I don't know if my voice has any weight, but please, as your pastor today, hear my voice when I say, God sees something in you. You are special. You can do great things for God. God looks at you and he sees something powerful. And I know that I can't say it doesn't matter if your parents do or it doesn't matter if your siblings do because I know it does and I know it causes pain. But hear me when I say that Jesus Christ, he took on flesh, he walks where you are walking and he knows what it feels like when someone close to him says, I don't believe in you. I'm going to scoff you. I'm going to mock you. But he said, I'm not going to let this stop me. Certainly it might cause pain. Certainly it might hurt. But I'm going to keep moving on to the next village. And I'm going to keep looking for someone, for someone somewhere who has enough faith that can receive the miraculous things that God wants to do through my life. And so I tell you today, those two things, keep praying, keep seeking God for lost relatives. Keep, keep seeking and praying for those closest to you who don't love and serve God. But secondly, you keep being you. You keep walking in what God's called you to walk. Doesn't matter if someone close to you doesn't see anything. Jesus Christ sees something. And if you will just keep walking in faith, allowing him to flow through you, whether they believe or not, his will can and will be done. I invite you to stand to your feet on this Christmas Eve Sunday. And I invite you to find a place before you leave and head off to be with family and friends and go eat meals and open gifts and celebrate. I want you to keep believing yourself that God can use you. God can anoint you. God has delivered you. God sees you. He has a plan for you. You are anointed. You are special. You are powerful. You are who he is calling for this very hour.
this very day, this very upcoming year, God has a plan for you. Don't let anybody else define His plan for your life.